Quick note on today's episode before we dive in, my chat today with Jennifer Briney is going to feel a little different than the vast majority of the other interviews you've heard on the show. And the reason is this, she's got so much insight into the political landscape in the US. And while it'd certainly be interesting to hear the details about how she grew her podcast and her brand, Congressional Dish, I felt like my time with her may be wasted a bit if I didn't dig for her thoughts and reactions to some of the recent political happenings the U.S. This was a super fun, super enlightening chat. She's got a lot to say about a lot of different things, and a lot of it was pretty exciting for me, so forgive me for coming across as a little quote-unquote spazzy in places. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Bidzy Small Business Society, number 188. You're listening to Bidzy Small Business Society. I'm Rob Beresoff. We talk to small business owners about what makes their small business successful. Connect with Bitsy Small Business Society at bitsy.com and grow your business. Hey guys, quick message to let you know I've teamed up with Audible and I wanted to give you the opportunity to try their platform free for 30 days. And along with that 30-day free trial is a free audiobook download from a library of over 180,000 titles. I recently listened to Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek and you'll find other audiobooks from great entrepreneurs like Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, Robert Kiyosaki, as well as tons of other nonfiction and fiction authors. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Bidzy, B-I-D-S-Y. Try it free for 30 days. There's no obligation. You've got nothing to lose and a free audiobook download to gain. That's at audibletrial.com forward slash Bidzy. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at Bidzy.com. Welcome to this episode of Bidzy Small Business Society. Today, I am talking with Jennifer Briney. Jennifer is the host of the Congressional Dish podcast, where she works to explain complicated legislation in a way that anyone can understand and to expose representatives who accept campaign contributions from industries that benefit from their bills. It seems like more and more about how certain lobbies influence policymakers is being exposed, and Jennifer is at the forefront with Congressional Dish. Quick side note, though, Congressional Dish is Jennifer's full-time gig and is fully owned and produced by the Briney family, and you can support her show by subscribing to it and giving it a rating and review in iTunes or by donating to the show at congressionaldish.com. Welcome, Jennifer. Glad we could connect today. And just a short time after Donald Trump has been chosen as the new president-elect. Yes, you're, you're welcome, citizens of the world. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, if nothing else, it's going to be great satire for the next four years, right? I mean, comedians are just salivating over the opportunity. <laughs> I'm sure, anyway. Jennifer, I want this interview, this chat, this conversation we're going to have, it's going to be a, structured a little bit differently. I hope you don't mind. I did prepare you for um, the, the structure that I normally have on the show here, but I want to start just by asking, look, what happened down there? Well, you know, I think that 
a lot of, I think our media is pretty disconnected to what's going on in the country. And so we did have, and the thing is the WikiLeaks um, leaks kind of told us that the media was really working hand in hand with the, the Clinton campaign. And so there was this fantasy that she was going to win in a blowout. And it turns out that people in the middle of the country, they had different plans um, for who they wanted to run the country. And, and what's really interesting is in this last week, there's been a lot of um, really hateful, mean backlash against the people who voted for Donald Trump. And yet in my inbox, all the people who voted for Trump who are reaching out to me to tell me why, none of them were telling me it's because they hate black people or they hate women or any of the things they've been accused of. It was largely because of these trade agreements that we've been signing. Um, you know, a lot of us in the United States didn't even realize that we were part of the World Trade Organization. And I think really with the Trans-Pacific Partnership, this is the first time that a lot of us have realized that there are these trade agreements that are creating a global economic system that we're really not a part of. It's an undemocratic system. And and that train was going full speed ahead. And with the election of Donald Trump, we threw a wrench in the gears of that train. And and so that's that's a theme that I've seen over and over and over again. People who lost their jobs, um, mainly to NAFTA. That was our trade agreement with um, with our friendly neighbors to the north and with um, Mexico. <laughs> But a lot of people are concerned about about these trade agreements where they feel like Americans are getting left behind. And um, we also had a health insurance system that was enacted by the Obama administration. But I think the key word there is insurance. And as insurance companies will do, they're doing anything they can to increase their profits. And um, whether it's correct or not, there are a lot of people that are blaming the Democrats for the fact that these insurance companies are still trying everything they can to profit, which is what businesses do. And that's why a lot of us don't want our, our health care controlled by you know private industry. But that's neither here nor there. The, the fact is that people voted for Trump for very real reasons. Now, whether they're going to get what they think that they're going to, that's going to be quite different. But, um, but yeah, there were a lot of people that were unhappy and the media was disconnected. And so this was a big surprise to a lot of us, but not to the people in the middle of the country. They're actually, this is exactly what they expected. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how do you think Donald Trump's tone and his demeanor and his message is going to differ as a president as compared to a candidate? Oh, man. I mean, I can't predict Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, he's he's a very interesting wild card. There's a lot of people in this country that were just upset with the direction that we were in. We had the Bush administration and the Obama, Obama administration, and we were promised change, and we really weren't given much change. And this is going to change things. For good or bad, there's going to be change. And I think that was a, a big part of the vote. But as for trying to predict what Trump was going to do, I mean, it's just kind of a, a useless exercise. Now, what I can tell you, though, is what I've witnessed in the last four years of studying our Congress, because we have a separation of powers here. And so Donald Trump is going to be in charge of our executive branch. So he's basically our chief law enforcement officer. But those who create the laws are in our legislative branch. And for the last four years, those people have been Republicans. And um, so I know exactly what kind of bills they're going to pass. And the concern that that I have more than anything is actually not Donald Trump himself, but the fact that we no longer have a, a Democratic veto pen for some of their plans. So, um, for instance, I fully expect to see deregulation of the banking industry and the, the financial industry again. I expect to see a lot of privatization of the commons, you know, things we paid for with our tax money that are going to be sold to companies and then we'll be charged fees to use them for the next 30 years. 
Um, I definitely see that happening. And then the big one that I'm I'm concerned about on a global level is that the Republicans have proven to be very much devoted to keeping us on fossil fuels for as long as possible. And so I do expect a lot of fossil fuel friendly um, policies being pushed into law. And Donald Trump, by all measures, is behind that plan. And so um, those are the things that I'm most worried about. But they originate with Congress, not with Trump himself. The Keystone Pipeline, this is a big one too, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's a fight that we thought that we had won. But the thing about the Keystone Pipeline is they really – there was a very sneaky thing that was done, which is that they just took an existing pipeline and made it bigger. And so the Keystone Pipeline, for all intents and purposes, was already completed. I mean, what they might do at this point with Donald Trump um, having the final say is maybe that section that goes over the border between Canada and the United States, maybe that section will be replaced. But for for the line that goes through to the United States, that, that continued. So um, the Keystone XL Pipeline... I don't think it's as big of a deal as it was a few years ago when they, you know, just went ahead and did it anyway. The bigger concern I have is new pipelines because there's going to be, I mean, we have a a bottleneck of fossil fuels in North Dakota and the people who are concerned about the amount of carbon and methane we're putting into the air, we're trying to shut down the pipelines and Donald Trump is going to approve them all. I have no doubt about that. So, I mean, I obviously I'm predicting the future here, but all signs point towards the fossil fuel industries getting exactly what they want from this administration. So if you're worried about the climate changing, um, you should be, because I certainly <laughs> um, I don't see good things in the next four years. I couldn't see it going any other way. You're right. So now we're talking about trade. We're talking about the economy. We're talking about the pipeline, big issues that obviously have a trickle down effect. But talk about the immediate effect of a Donald Trump presidency on everyday people. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I don't think there's going to be much of an effect. And this is how we get here to begin with. You know, Um, a lot of us that pay attention to what's going on in the world were horrified by the Bush administration. I was horrified following that by the Obama administration. But a lot of the horrible things that are happening are happening to people overseas. And so, you know, we don't have a lot of interaction with Iraqis and Syrians and Afghanistanis and Pakistanis and Yemenis and and all these people that we're bombing. I mean, that's not our day to day. So I really don't think it's going to change that much because of Donald Trump. But again, we have a fully Republican Congress, and that is going to have ramifications on everyday people. And I think it's going to hit our wallets the worst. And I already I already said this, but I think it worth it's worth mentioning again is I do worry about privatization because these contracts that get signed, it's for decades. And so what happens is we end up paying for the same things twice. So it's like we build a highway and then it gets privatized and then we pay to use it. So I think we're going to get hit in the wallets because what I've witnessed with the Republicans in Congress over the last four years is that they are functioning on behalf of big business. And so I think they're going to do everything they can to clear any hurdles to profit making And the people that pay for profits are people like you and I for the products that we need. So what do you say about this oversimplification of the issues on both the Trump and the Hillary sides, which obviously I think the media has a lot to do in shaping, but this oversimplification sort of influences people's ideas on how they're going to be affected on a day-to-day, right? Yeah, and I think what you're going to find is the people that are acting like this is the end of the world are going to be pleasantly surprised when everything's maybe a little bit more expensive, but generally the same. And then the people who are thinking that this is the best thing ever, I think there's going to be a lot of people that got duped, who's, who don't realize that 
this is not the Republican Party doesn't represent entrepreneurs and, you know, s small businesses and, and workers. This has never been their thing. They represent the bosses and the multinationals. And so I think there's a lot of misplaced faith in the Trump administration by people who, quite frankly, don't know any better. And I, I actually can't fault them for that because our media did no educating of people at all. They made it all about race and gender and um, and they didn't really talk about policies until after he was in office. And then it was like, oh, oh, wait, um, <laughs> maybe we should discuss policy now. And they did it too late. This is the <laughs> first time the media has been discussing what could actually happen. And um, they did us a huge disservice. And so people in the middle of the country think that the Republican Party stands for things that they don't. And I so I think. I think a lot of people are in for a lot of surprises in the next two years. Yeah, instead of just a lot of slander coming from Hillary and, uh, you know, just Trump yelling wrong into a microphone, there's actually stuff happening out there that needs to be addressed, right? So, Absolutely. And that's another thing that I don't think people know about the debates in our country, which is that the Democratic and Republican parties took over our debates in 1988. They used to be run by the League of Women Voters, which was an independent group of people. Uh, and so there was really a coup that took place where the Democrats and the Republicans got together and created the Commission on Presidential Debates. And they were very clear that the goal was to protect a two-party system. So here in the United States, we actually had four people that were mathematically able to win the presidency. We had Trump and Clinton, obviously, but we also had Gary Johnson and Jill Stein. And they weren't allowed to debate. And what you also find is because the Democrats and Republicans control the commission, they were also able to control who attended, they were able to control what questions were asked. And so that's why we get these debates that seem like shows and not, you know, substantive policy debates. It's because they're not meant to be actual debates. And so that's another way that we've been done a huge disservice because we weren't educated in the debates either, as you just pointed out. I mean, they were they were nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if nothing else, entertaining to say the least. So um, now we're talking about control and I know you have something to say about lobbies. How did those lobbies possibly hurt Clinton's campaign or maybe the lack of contributions to Trump help his? Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because I have gotten quite a few emails from people who are saying that Trump didn't take money from lobbyists and corporations, and that couldn't be further from the truth. In the primaries, he made it a point to self-finance his cam campaign, but the minute he became the Republican nominee, he took a lot of money. Um, I looked it up yesterday, he took almost a quarter of a billion dollars. But Hillary Clinton took almost half a billion dollars. And so that is just, I think what a lot of people probably don't realize is that there is a majority of us in this country that that really despised both of these candidates, and that was a big part <laughs> of it, because we know they're being legally bribed, and there's nothing we can do about it. So one of the things that's going to be interesting to watch as the votes are finally counted, we're still not entirely done counting our votes. But in general, about 25% of us in this country are Republicans, about 25% of us are Democrats, and then there's about 50% of us that just don't fall into either of those categories, and about 50% of us didn't bother to vote this time. And so we are being ruled by minorities here, um, whether being ruled by Republicans or Democrats, and so at some point, I feel like 
those of us that are in that 50% that were just disgusted by the whole thing, we're going to have to find a way to get someone that represents us and not these companies um, to get into office. But yeah, the, both candidates were, they were legally bribed to the tune of fractions of a billion dollars. It's, um, it's really quite disgusting. Well, a staggering amount of money. And I guess what I meant to say, obviously, that Trump, he took you know significantly less, although still a staggering, staggering amount of money. So Jennifer, can this be changed over the next four years? Like, can there be, um, you know, uh, uh, somebody running that can overtake this race? Absolutely. The only reason that this continues is that we keep voting for Republicans and Democrats, but there is nothing in the Constitution that says that these two parties even need to exist. And so what it's going to take is the American people deciding to vote differently. And um, I did an episode probably about a year ago, and it was me looking into, is it possible to run as an independent in all 50 states? And I found out the answer is yes. Now, it's definitely the qualifications vary wildly depending on the state. But yes, you can get your name on the ballot as an independent in every single state. Or Jennifer Briney can do it. Well, I mean, I'm actually considering it because I know here in California, I have to raise about $2,000, which I can pay for out of pocket. That's fine. And um, but I would have to win, almost win the primary because in California, you have to be one of the top two in the primary to move on into the general election. Um, You know, it's kind of disgusting, but there was a middle of the night uh, bill that passed into law in our state house that created this system that. I think a lot of people in California aren't even aware of. It's relatively new, and it's it's another thing that is locking out independence from the process because our general election ballots are limited to two. Um, so this is what I'm talking about. These two parties, Democrats and Republicans, together are making sure that we are creating a two-party system. But it does not exist yet. It's not a real thing. And so, yes, we can take over Congress. Um, we can have independence in the Senate and in the presidency. I, I'm, it's tougher with the presidency because that has been so co-opted. Like I said, the, the debates is, those are taken over in the primaries. The, the Republican party and the Democratic party are private clubs. So they get to determine their own rules, which is why you saw, you know, Hillary Clinton ahead of Bernie Sanders before a single vote was cast because they had this stupid superdelegate system. They're allowed to do whatever we want or whatever they want. And as long as they have this financial um, intermingling with the mainstream media, I think we're going to have a tough time getting a non-Democrat or Republican into the presidential office. Um, so my hope is more in Congress first. But um, but my favorite thing about my country is our Constitution, because that sets the rules. And these two parties, whether they you know, admit it or not, they are not central to our system. And yes, we can take them over. We just need to have more education on how to do it. Yeah, and I think the us and them dichotomy is so easy to articulate and understand. And I think, you know, that's, that's a pretty easy way to split people um, when you're talking to them, right? It is. And that is something that I'm trying to change, too, because right now, uh, at least in the um, the common wisdom, the us and them is de- Democrats versus Republicans. That's what you'll see on the television all the time. Where I want to switch it and just be like, it's those of us who work for paychecks and are independent that don't have allegiance to these parties versus these elite people who are rigging the rules of not only our country, but our world in their favor. And, um, and the thing is that we outnumber them. You know, the people 
who really, the American dream, as far as me and all my friends are concerned, we just want to have a place to live and enough money to be able to go on vacation once in a while. We're not asking for the world, but there are people who are literally trying to control the world. And those are the people we need to take on. And they they exist in the Democrat and Republican parties. So I'm I'm hoping to change the we versus them to realize our own power as citizens of the United States. We outnumber these rich and powerful people. And as soon as we realize that, um, it'll be a very powerful thing, which is why they like to keep us divided on uh, Democrat and Republican lines. But I, I have to ask this. Uh, this might be a little bit of out of context, but, uh, you know, forgive me for jumping around a bit. I just want to ask what kept Bernie Sanders out and would he have won? So, I mean, I can't tell you if he would have won or not, but from the very beginning, the Democratic National Committee decided to have these things called superdelegates, which are human beings, and they're party insiders, and they get bigger votes than than any person like you or I. And so most of, I, I want to, I think it was 85% of the votes that that determined the nominee were our votes, but 15% of them were these party insiders. And Clinton, because you know she raises an enormous amount of money and she gives money to other congressmen and a lot of these superdelegates were congressmen. And so she was able to collect a lot of superdelegates before a single vote was cast. And our shameful excuse for news organizations, especially on the television, we're always reporting those superdelegates as if they were votes that were already cast. And so Clinton always looked like she had an insurmountable lead, even though it wasn't true. And it was the most frustrating thing for me to watch. And so that was one way that they um, that they really the whole system was designed to make it so the Democratic Party insiders would pick their person. And then when you looked inside of the WikiLeaks emails, we found out that Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who was in, in charge of the DNC, um, she was putting out messages that were anti-Bernie Sanders. And then um, these revelations actually made her step down in the very same day she was hired by the Hillary Clinton campaign, which is just the dirtiest thing that I can possibly <laughs> think of. Um, and so there was a lot of things going on within the DNC, and it's very, very clear from the evidence that they wanted Hillary Clinton the whole time, and the primary wasn't, it wasn't a fair primary. And so had there been no superdelegates, and had they not been sending, you know, um, mean messages about Bernie out into the media, I think we would have had a different result. I really do. Um, because his message, I mean, he was ignored by the media here. They would, they would, they would play these Trump rallies in full. And then they wouldn't even show the crowds that were showing up to Bernie rallies. I mean, it was hundreds of thousands of people that were showing up to hear Bernie speak all over the country. And the media pretended that it didn't happen. So there was definitely, and I kind of understand that. I mean, when we talk about corporate media, when you think about all the people that are raising this enormous amount of money, Clinton is a great example of this. She's raising half a billion dollars to run for, for office. The vast majority of that goes towards advertisements to influence our votes. And who airs the advertisements? Who gets that money? The corporate media, CNN, MSNBC, on the Republican side, Fox News, um, radio stations. So they have a vested interest in, in, in elevating the candidate that's going to spend and raise the most money because that money goes to them. And Bernie was running on a platform of I'm not taking corporate money. I'm raising money in $20 increments from, from a lot of people. He crowdsourced his campaign. 
and the dollar signs just weren't there for these media organizations that depend on the the um, I believe the estimate was two billion dollars that they took in from this last election. So yeah, there was a lot of the deck was stacked against them, and it wasn't fair. And I think that was something that people like me also looked at the Clinton campaign and just went, you know, I get that Donald Trump is is a problem. But so are you. And this is so corrupt. And it's all the stuff that we are disgusted by in politics. And I think that is a big reason why the Democrats just didn't show up. Because that's another thing that people should know, is that this wasn't necessarily a lot of people coming out for Trump. He he got about the same amount of votes as Romney did. But the, the Democrats didn't show up. So there was a problem in the Clinton campaign, which is that a lot of us don't like her. We don't like the behavior. We don't like that the way the primary was rigged. We don't like the money that we sh- that she took. Um, we don't like the speeches that she was getting half a or a quarter of a, a million dollars to talk to banks. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we just didn't like and we were angry. So a lot of people decided not to vote or voted third party. And um, and then we ended up with President Trump. So and here here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Great narrative. Yeah. Hard for me to insert anything. I'm sensing a little bit of vitriol. <laughs> I want to talk about your podcast. So when you launched this thing, were you just fed up? Was it a certain level of outrage? What prompted you to create Congressional Dish and help people understand more about this stuff and more about what's happening in Congress like you've been doing today? Well, I mean, this was a long journey, but it really started in 2003. I was studying abroad in Germany in college and my country started a war, the war in Iraq while I was there. And so I witnessed that from the, I witnessed it with people who are in Europe. So for instance, like we would go to bars and if Tony Blair or George Bush were speaking, they turned off all the sports and they turned off all the music and we listened to those speeches in the bars and then people would talk about it the rest of the night. And as an American, people always wanted to know, hey, why is this happening? What do you think? And I had no opinions because I had no information. So I was really embarrassed about that. I was also horrified at the way that people were protesting my country and I was ashamed. And so I came back asking questions. But then when I came home, the reverse culture shock to come home and see what our news was doing, which was making it all seem like some kind of reality TV show, you know, like the shock and awe type of of coverage. And and none of my friends were talking about the war. And I felt like I came home to like a Twilight Zone episode. And so um, over the course of the next few years, I just kept reading and reading and reading. And I knew I wanted to do something where I could keep learning for a living. So Fast forward to 2012, I had been waiting tables and just basically paying the rent for years. And I was watching C-SPAN, which um, I know that you're in Canada. C-SPAN is a, a channel where you can watch what's going on in the House of Representatives and the Senate, which is our legislative. Yeah, we get a little bit of C-SPAN up here, too. Okay, perfect. So you yep. know what it is. And I'm a dork, so I'm watching C-SPAN while cleaning <laughs> my house. And I saw a congressman who's still there, uh, Tom Cole. I saw him slip a provision into a energy and water funding bill that protected seeker campaign contributions. And I couldn't really believe that I heard what I heard. So the next day I looked in the congressional record, which gives me a transcript and and there it was, it actually happened. And so I took to the internet. I wanted to know what the news was saying about it. So I watched, you know, Rachel Maddow and I watched Fox News and I watched CNN and there was nothing about it anywhere. And then the bigger shock is then I looked for articles and blogs and there was nothing, not a single 
person mentioned that this happened. And I went, oh my God, how often does this occur? Was this a one-off? Or, And so then I started looking into the congressional record more regularly and found out that this type of stuff happens all the time. And that's when the light bulb kind of went off where I said, okay, there's nobody who's looking at this stuff and talking about it. That's something that I can do. I'm not intimidated by the bill language. And I obviously watch C-SPAN for fun. So <laughs> I made a career out of it. And um, and so that's what I do. And I, I make sure that all my sources are in my show notes because no one should trust me. Um, I'm just a person. But I want people to be able to look into my show notes and look at the provisions in the bills that I'm talking about to see, am I right? How am I interpreting this? Um, all of my hearings are in there, all my sources, um, articles. So I spend a lot of time on the show notes to earn my credibility. And so that's, that's how I kind of built my podcast as a unknown person is that one person after another, I just convince them that I'm doing what I have to do to be credible. Cause you may not like my, my take on things, but you can't argue that I do my homework. You don't have a vested interest other than just finding the truth, right? Correct. And that's the thing. Like, I don't know what the truth is on so many levels, but I will also tell you what I don't know. And another thing that I think is very important is when I make a mistake, if it's one that's, you know, impactful right up front in the episode, when I discover it in the very beginning of the episode, I say, okay, here's another mistake. And because I have to eat crow like that every single time I make a mistake, I try really hard not to do that. And, um, and yeah, it's just, I, I'm earning trust over time. And and then the other thing, like I mentioned, uh, one of the reasons that our media is so corrupt is because they take money from candidates and companies and you know they're just as much in this system of bribery that we have here. And so another thing that I do that separates me from them is that my podcast is listener supported. I don't have any companies paying me to say anything. And so people can also trust the words that I say, because if I tell you I like a product, it's because I like the product. You know, I'm not getting paid for it. And, um, and if I tell you I like a candidate, which usually I don't do, I don't endorse people. But if that ever happens, you're going to know it's not because I got paid to do so. And I think that's so important in this new age of corrupt media. So... Look, Jennifer, I'm a new convert. I am a new subscriber to Congressional Dish. I will be following you over the next four years. Very excited to see your take on everything and how it unfolds. I want to ask you what's going to happen in 2020. I, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not looking at 2020. I'm looking at 2018 because that's our next opportunity to change our Congress. Um, we have two houses in our Congress. We have the House of Representatives and we have the Senate. But the House of Representatives is a really exciting thing because we can replace the entire House of Representatives every two years. Ah. And so if my fears come true and these terrible bills that I've been seeing now for four years are getting signed by Trump and becoming law, we have an opportunity to change the Congress. We have an opportunity to change the people who are doing our budgeting and writing our, our laws. And then we can also, if President Trump goes to the dark, scary place, a new Congress that is combative. Um, that's what our checks and balances are. So we also have an opportunity two years from now to um, kind of put a stop to whatever is going to go on. I mean, hopefully it's not going to be that bad. But if it is, 2018 is our next chance. So as far as 2020 is concerned, I it's that's so far beyond my my vision right now. It's really November 2018. That's where my hope lies next. <laughs> awesome. So much information. So much fun. If people want to connect with you and listen to Congressional Dish, how can they connect, Jennifer? Easiest way to find me is on Twitter. I'm obsessed with Twitter. That's at Jen Briney, B-R-I-N-E-Y. 
And then um, as for finding the podcast, you can find it wherever podcasts are found, but you can also download the free Congressional Dish app. It's for iPhones and Androids. And the best thing about the app is that these show notes that I was talking about where you can you know, look up what I'm saying to see if it's true, the show notes go into the app and you can access it from your phone without going to congressionaldish.com. So I'm really excited about the app and that's another really good way to get all the Congressional Dish you can handle. Listen, download, rate, review, donate to Congressional Dish. Jennifer, this has been so much fun. Like I said, thank you for joining us on Bidzy Small Business Society. Take care, okay? Thanks so much for having me. Looking for more great audio content? Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Bidzy for a free audiobook download and access to a library of over 180,000 titles. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash Bidzy. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Go to Bidzy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bidzy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a five-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and five-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bidzy Small Business Society today. 